0: buddy welcome to the lifestyle business podcast the show where now we have an intern so we can plan for each episode more than 5 minutes and in the eternal struggle between the technium and humanism we currently come up the
1: technium baby i love kevin kelly that book is awesome. <laughs> of course, we're talking about
0: What Technology Once
1: by Kevin Kelly. Pick it up. And today
0: I'm joined, as always, by my captain, my co host, a man who has tasted firsthand that if you stay in on Friday nights to hustle, the parties do get better. Welcome to the program, Ian. If you guys stick around to the end of the episode, we'll share with you the number one productivity tool we have ever come across ever in our entire lives, and I'll share with you the first iPhone app I've ever bought and how I think it could be a camera killer. Ian, welcome to the program, my man. What's going on? Let us know the news.
1: Dan, doing pretty well. I am on a new caffeine, no alcohol diet. I am feeling like a 100 bucks over here. haven't done much drinking of anything besides water in the last few weeks here. Feeling great. Starting to do a little bit more exercising, keeping those palps away. I am back in the saddle. Yeah, man. Picked up another Mustang here pretty recently. I didn't just pick up a Mustang because I want to drive a Mustang, although I do enjoy driving driving a Mustang. I picked it up because it's part of a project that we're working on that you guys are going to hear about fairly soon. More on that later. What's going on with you?
0: Yeah, just to tease a little bit more about that, that is, of course, the $100 information product we talked about in Bali. We're really swinging for the fences on that one. The product is just looking awesome. It is absolutely better than anything that's out there on the market right now in terms of its usefulness and its ability to sort of transform someone into someone who's just interested in the market to being able to full-blown go out and make a bunch of money in the used car market. I'm really excited to launch that product, and we'll be talking about it here on the show in the next coming weeks. One thing I'm really excited about right now is our ragtag group of lifestyle entrepreneurs at kiva.org. Just go to kiva.org and search for groups, lifestyle entrepreneurs. So far, there's 13 show listeners signed up to follow and track investments. So far, we've invested $600, slowly, slowly just getting started with some local entrepreneurs here in the Philippines. Very exciting to make investments in real entrepreneurs who are trying to start businesses. And we're going to be deploying another $200 this week. Sure, you know, start small, but that'll hopefully turn into something pretty cool. Finally, I'm already, Ian, looking forward to our meetup in Thailand in January, especially going through another round of planning. Hopefully we can reach our stretch goals for this year. And I'm really excited to see how things turn out for us next year, Ian, where we're going to be living, what kind of businesses we're going to be involved in primarily. And we've got a, a high quality problems, which is at a certain point, the options become extraordinarily diverse. To sit down and to plow through them can take a lot of energy, but it's also so exciting just to sort of look at it an entire year and say, wow, what am I going to do? Where am I going to live? I've got so many options. I'm really excited to start to have those conversations with you, especially in Thailand in January. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I'm really trying to get over to Thailand. I hope I can get there. We're finishing a project right around that time, which is probably the biggest project we've ever gotten. Got to make sure that that gets done right. And then hopefully I'll be headed over to Thailand to meet up with you. And I'm also excited about next year. We finally got a really good team working with us. I feel like it's time for us to really start galloping and hitting our stride on a lot of this stuff. Hopefully that means we'll get to hang out a lot more in the flesh and start working on some new projects, this information product being one of them that we actually hope to launch in about a month.
0: Very cool. One shout I want to give a new iTunes review, uh, Ian, from user Thoit calls this podcast, the one hour MBA. Appreciate that shout. He says he stumbled across, enjoys our rapport. And when you listen to episode number 44, he became a true fan because I guess not a lot of people are talking about the nuts and bolts of trying to make a product in China. Of course, we've done a bunch of that and knocked our heads against that country for five years now. And he says that it matches up with his experiences. Trying to do the same thing. Looking forward to future podcasts. Thanks a lot, Thoyd. Appreciate the iTunes review. Well, let's give a quick shout to our sponsor, Gutshot Studios. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Gutshot Studios, of course, the brainchild of At My Egg Noodles, Chris from the Adventure Travel Blog. At My Egg Noodles, he's a WordPress expert. Gutshot Studios is a design firm specializing in beautifully handcrafted WordPress sites. If you need to jumpstart your blog or business, or just get some ideas about how you can make some banging WordPress sites and how versatile that platform can be. Check out gutshotstudios.com, and thank you for sponsoring the show. I'm looking forward to finally meeting Chris. I remember when I first read Chris's blog, it was a couple years ago, Ian, maybe three. I wrote him a long email, and I don't generally do that to bloggers, and I was like such a fanboy back then. I didn't even have my own blog. I was just like, your experiences match up with mine, and it's so cool. I'm so glad you're doing this stuff. And it's all coming full circle, and we'll be meeting Chris, and he'll be organizing a motorcycle trip. It should be banging. I'm looking forward to that in the north of Thailand. Thanks to Josh Crocker for giving us a call. Uh, Let's take a quick listen. Hey,
1: Dan and Ian, it's Josh Crocker for calling you guys from Taking Fun Seriously. I wanted to call and give a little bit of a promo to anybody that has not gone and purchased Seasons 1 and 2 of the podcast. Wow, you guys fire me up. Listening to your podcast, I got a little motivated, got fired up, and made a move on a business idea that I've been toying around with for the last seven or eight months. It's a physical product. I'm pretty pumped up. I want to recommend your podcast, Seasons 1 and 2, to anybody else that have not made the move to purchase it. It's worth every stinking penny that you can pay. Hey, Josh, thanks for that. By the way, for those of you that don't know, we just hired Josh on as our sales manager.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'd rescind everything we say about having to start charging Josh Crocker for episodes. We've just brought him on the team. It's an unpaid position, but it's it's sort of like entrepreneur in residence. Thanks, Josh. Hey, I'm really looking forward to hearing about that product sometime on the Skypey Skypey. And also thanks to Sean Ogle. Of course, Sean works with Ian and I on a daily basis. He finally figured out how this voicemail system works. So this is what happens when I dial that number. What's up, it's Sean. Just uh, saw your tweet and thought I'd uh, call and see what happens. Basically, you pop on there, gives a little beep, and you leave a message, and then that sends me an email letting me know that you left us a voicemail. If you make a mistake, don't worry, just re-record it and say, hey, this is the new one, we want to use this, or hey, please don't put that on the air, or whatever, no problem. Also, you can just use it to say hi to Dan and Ian, you know, hey guys, this isn't for the show, I just want to say hey to you guys, blah, 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 here's our critical feedback that we don't want. And put it on your iTunes page. So anyway, thanks to everybody who gave us a shout this week. I think it's about time to uh, move on to those meat and potatoes again. All right, buddy. So let's talk a little bit about something that is just such a common theme. Everybody wants to develop a web app. Web app this. Web startup here. Tech co-founder. Let's just get started at the very unflattering story of how I lost 20k on Elance like an idiot. This is other people's money. I raised money. I got investors for this one. It wasn't my money, which definitely changes the scene. If it were my money, I would have approached it much differently. But at the time, I had a lot of responsibilities on my plate in other businesses. There's a fundamental problem with people that are non-tech people doing two things. One is outsourcing their understanding. And number two is identifying tech co-founders. I mean, tech co-founders are rarer than platinum and rhodium nowadays. You just can't dig these guys up because everybody wants them. If you don't got a track record or a bunch of money and you can pay a salary right out the gate, you're going to have a hard time getting a tech co-founder. If you don't have anybody on your team who understands tech, technology, you're in a very disadvantageous spot to outsource that to somebody else with one exception. That exception would be is if you were outsourcing something that is is a very common feature set that developers are very used to. For example, if you want to outsource an iPhone application that's very similar to one that's existent, that's something that a non-technical person can do. But in my case, I wanted a whole new set of functionality and you just can't outsource that understanding and manage it well if you don't know what's going on. Let's just get started with one thing that I did right here. The first thing is, is I scratched my image. I had a problem. I was the manager of a very large operation. And we had these sales reps who, when someone would call them for a quote, they needed to identify how many of those products fit on a shipping pallet in order to get the pricing to deliver the quote to our customers. And the problem is is that estimating these shipping pallets, Ian, takes freaking forever. Yeah,
1: you got a bunch of product in your warehouse. Either you're going to ship it overseas, or you're going to import it or export it, or you're going to ship it domestically over the road freight. Right. you got to figure out how many pieces fit on a pallet, and that can be difficult if you got a bunch of different box sizes. Yeah, that's
0: right. And there is software that's existent that sort of does this, but it's very heavy and complicated, and it's more for logistics, freight, overall system optimization, and so to enter in one estimate could take hours. Whereas what I wanted to do was have a very lightweight piece of software that gave fast estimations so that you could get a general idea of how much this was going to cost, what the shipment was going to look like, so you could get pricing fast. This is basically like Tetris on a pallet. What I wanted to do was to be able to get pricing to my customers faster. This, in some ways, was worth the development costs alone, if I could get it right because it would have saved our operation thousands and thousands of dollars a year i was pumped up about this we were scratching our own itch there's tons of business models for this sort of thing you could white label it to freight carriers you could sell it to a company like freightquote.com i was just ready to rock one thing that i ran into when i started posting this on elance and everything basically this is a whole new feature set it doesn't exist it's a problem needs to be solved it's common in computer science called the knapsack problem apparently it's very difficult to determine how many objects fit in a 3d space there's a lot like goes into that from a technical point of view. And I wasn't really hip to that. That's why it was so expensive to develop, number one. Number two, that was also the biggest problem. I'm outsourcing something that I have no idea about. And so I can just basically get jerked around by developers and they're going to take the path of least resistance to delivering me a final deliverable that I'm going to pay for. That's what ended up happening. I'm super busy with my other businesses. I throw 15K to some guys in India and they deliver me with basically a half-assed product that doesn't fit my needs. And I really can't communicate to them how to improve it. And that's the essentially how this all went down. There's a bunch of ways I could have changed the situation, made it better. The bottom line is when you're dealing with an outsourced firm in another country, the communication level isn't 100% and they're not going to be able to sort of get you up to speed on the technology in the course of a couple weeks. Hosting fees, consulting fees, and some math PhDs looking at my algorithm. 20K down the line, I just cut the whole project off. No more good money after bad. That's basically how this thing went down. I'm going to pull out just a couple quick lessons. The first lesson, Ian, is I want to Contrast this with a technical development success that we had. One principle I'd pull out is I'd say, know the DNA of your product so much so that you could build it yourself. Object-oriented languages are getting much, much easier. If you can't dig into the code of your product, you probably shouldn't be developing it unless you've got a co-founder that you trust. A parallel case that worked... We wanted to get into the e-commerce business. We did not know about e-commerce, had no co-founder. We weren't going to go outsource it. Basically, what we did was we built an e-commerce site from the ground up with the best solution that we could identify based on our research. And I remember sitting at the dinner table with you actually handcrafting individual JPEG images for every single element of our site. And we literally built the thing brick by brick, square by square, and it took us months. That hard-earned knowledge of our product is still in the DNA of everything we do to day. Now we've got five or six e-commerce sites. Yeah. We've got full SSL security, custom carts, custom autoresponders, custom suggestion engines. They're all built in PHP, on Drupal. All this DNA, all this hard-won knowledge started with us saying, we're going to understand every single element of how this technology works, and we're going to put it together ourselves.
1: Going back to your freight space idea, one suggestion might be next time to manually figure out these pallets for people. You could just have a form on your website where people would enter in the product dimensions, how many of each they have, you could say, look, we'll get back to you in an hour or two, and we could manually do the computation for them and figure out what's going to fit on that palette. You can kind of start on the ground and not have to have any kind of technical interface.
0: It's such a smart idea. It's this whole idea of bootstrapping. Look, if you've got a track record and a technical background and you want to go raise funds or God bless you if you can go build the damn thing yourself, that's what you ought to do. But if you're in our position, we're just non-technical guys, start with the hustle, start with the sale. And that would have been such a much more intelligent way because it would have justified the development and you scale it up. I talk to people all the time. They have an idea for a web app. If you have an idea without clients, without track record, without revenue, without users, you have nothing. You have zero. And so we always suggest this approach basically hacking it together. Hack it together from the ground up. Our first e-commerce site, for example, was actually you made JPEGs in Photoshop and I like laid them out on a WYSIWYG web editor and then we put Yahoo Store on the back end. I mean, it was the most rigged together site of all time, but we understood every element of it, and we were hacking it together to prove the market before we made a more significant investment, which in our case was hiring a full-time Drupal developer.
1: Here's why a lot of people don't like this idea is because it's not sexy. It's not sexy because I was over Photoshop four years ago when I graduated with a degree in something besides Photoshop, right? <laughs> and you never went to school to learn how to build Yahoo sites. So it's not sexy to be hanging around Saturday nights for the first year building a- a Yahoo e-commerce store, but it did get us customers and it did get us in the industry and it did get us shipping and selling product. It was a win there. If you can sit down and say, look, I'm going to spend the next year next six months or next two months doing this unsexy thing, but it's going to make it so I don't have to invest $20,000 or give 50% of my company to a technical co-founder, it could be a pretty cool deal.
0: Here are two lessons learned that I would suggest to any person that is non-technical that wants to do a web application. The first thing is don't involve technology ever, where a little bit of hustle and elbow grease will suffice. And so let's just take an example like you said. Why wouldn't you just go to virtualstafffinder.com, hire a $300 a month virtual assistant, teach them how to do pallet card, and then put on your site, instead of instantaneous pallets, we'll give you one-hour pallets. I would have definitely taken that service and say, okay, maybe your opt-in rate is a little lower for one-hour service, but at least then you can get an idea. Well, if I improve it to one minute, my opt-in rate will go up maybe estimated this much. It's a way to sort of start hacking it together and building relationships with users and understanding actually what they want. We had an idea a couple months ago called TrademyRims.com. You know, we were going to develop a community online where we we'll sort of matchmake people who wanted to trade aftermarket auto rims. We could have taken two approaches to that. We could have dropped a whole lot of money on Elance and got the 100% technological solution to this, which would have been shit anyway. Or why not just put up a WordPress site and start manually accepting submissions of people who want to put posts up, people who want to get connected. Start connecting them. Start hacking it together with what you you know. If that knowledge is hard won in you, you're going to be much better off. We'll link to Brian Armstrong's blog. I remember when I first started following his blog, he was just a break free from the 9 to 5 kind of guy, and now he's a Ruby on Rails developer and working for a startup in San Francisco. This happened over the course of four years because he was scratching his own itches with Ruby on Rails, and he actually launched successful web applications that he hacked together. User by user, piece by piece, account by account, putting the pieces together himself, fully understanding and having that hard won knowledge made him a success. But I just think you can't outsource that fundamental understanding. It's like a graveyard. For privacy sake, I just can't list off all the URLs, but I have so many friends who've got corporate gigs, who've got 10K burning a hole in their bank account, and they go to Elance, where they could have just started focusing on the marketing, focusing on building clients, and then building the technology on the back end. If you're smart enough to have found this podcast on iTunes, you're certainly smart enough to start hacking together a rudimentary web application in Ruby on Rails, or at least getting your hands dirty enough in the code such that you can monitor that somebody else doing that don't let your developer from India decide what language what your whole DNA of your product is going to be about you need to make that judgment for yourself at minimum if you can't even decide sort of what language you're going to do this in you're not ready to get started outsourcing yeah I think that's true there's one other thing that I want to bring up a lot of web application ideas that I'm hearing from the listeners depend on networked value or as people like to call critical mass a great example of that is this trade my rims idea we had you need to have a certain amount of people on that site for it to be valued. The question is, what do you do in the the mean term? What do you do from zero to six months when there's not many users on the site, say? How do you get them to sign up and be active on your site? Well, you need to have something called a NIV, or a Network Independent Value. And I'm stealing this from the guys at Thumbtack.com. Find something in your service that is compelling to users without networked value. For example, if you're a babysitter looking to get hooked up with clients, and there's not a lot of clients on the site yet, what's going to keep you engaged in that site? Well, one example is you could offer a free background check to that baby. Or you could offer them a free website, like a profile page, like a resume that they can send out to people. That's going to keep them involved in your application. Keep them as a user while you're working on hustling up that community that's ultimately going to be the bigger value to them. Yeah,
1: I like that idea.
0: That is how I lost 20K in India. Let's just get moving on to the quick tips tricks, and or funny jokes section. We've got two hot quick tips for you today. You've all heard the first one, but I want to reiterate it because I have been finding recently that a lot of people haven't actually read this book. Sometimes I try to sit around, Ian, you know, we're three years into this thing now, and I try to think about what laid the foundations for a lot of what we're doing. What were the things that would have really been valuable to us before we got so thick into it? I would say, Ian, the number one book that I would recommend to anyone would be Getting Things Done by David Allen.
1: And that's heavy because we say... uh... A lot of books are our number one books to recommend to everybody, but this is a really good book. And you know, the thing about David Allen, Dan, is that he creeps into my life every day. I don't even realize it at this point. I'd kind of go about my business and all of a sudden I'm employing a GTD technique. I was
0: thinking the same thing. His principles have colored so much of what we've accomplished in the last three years and you don't even notice it. And he's just there like omnipresently in sort of a way that Tim Ferriss isn't. When you're fielding a customer a phone call, when you receive an email, when you go to that email inbox every day, when you have a new idea the way that we deal with those things has all been impacted profoundly by David Allen he's such a foundational read and I think a lot of people sort of hear so much about this book that they're kind of like yeah 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 I get it I've seen the principles I've seen the charts I don't need to read the book I absolutely disagree with that you should go back I've read this book twice you should absolutely get yourself a copy of Getting Things Done by David Allen it is just an absolute bedrock book and doing what we do processing information on a daily basis is difficult
1: especially high volumes of information any project manager should read this book. I think this should be the number one book that they read in project management school is uh, getting things done. David Allen probably schedules time to eat ice cream. I mean, this guy has time down to his science. I look at my inbox. I use Gmail and it's totally GTD'd out. Right now, it's a little bit out of control. I like to get it generally down to zero by the end of the day. David Allen has uh, really impacted my life in terms of organization and made me a 10 times better project manager.
0: Baller. This is just a plea to anyone who has not read Getting Things Done. Read it and please let us know what you think. Our second quick tip, and this one is a big shout out to David from live life big.net, editing this audio as we speak. I don't carry a camera for a bunch of reasons. Mostly is convenience. I'm not the guy who stops the action to take pictures and shit. I just like to pull out my phone and and I snap stuff and I think about oh that would be good for a blog header. Every picture you see on this website is just from my iPhone. It's pretty much like a good enough thing. But I've had this one problem which is you can click to zoom and if you have something in the foreground and something in the background and there's different lighting, you can kind of only get one. If someone's standing in front of a beautiful setting, you can kind of only see them and you can't see the setting behind them. David solved this problem. He showed me a web application. It's the first one I ever paid money for on the iPhone. It's called Pro HDR. And for those of you who don't know what HDR is, it's essentially when you take three different pictures. In this iPhone application's case, it takes two. You take one picture sort of blown out with exposure and you take one picture with really tight exposure. It's a much darker picture. And then what you do is you line up the two pictures. The picture shows a much broader spectrum of light. You can actually see the full range, both foreground and background, all lit up. Because it took two pictures and combined them. This absolutely solves my photography issues except for Flash. I haven't gotten the iPhone 4 yet because I live overseas and not much upside to that. If you've got an iPhone, and even if you just want to start taking HDR photography and really make those photos pop, I'm going to link to a blog post on this post of David's. And he's got like seven photos on this post. It's called The Best Six Months of My Life. And the photos on this blog just pop like crazy. I mean, it looks like he's a professional photographer. And those were all just Just iPhone snaps with this software. So I think it's an incredible hack. And carrying an iPhone is ten times better than carrying a camera, especially if you're a traveler. It's called Pro HDR. It's two dollars in the Apple store. And that's all the tips I got. Man, I'm tipped out. I need to take a break. Maybe go take a jog or something. What are you gonna do?
1: Cool, man. Well, it's bedtime for me. I'll talk to you soon, Dan.
0: I'm gonna play you out with a little dance track just to get everybody pumped up. It's called We Don't Speak No Americano. Me and Dave were dancing this the other night, man. Let's get it on. Go make some cold calls. Go get that business moving. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining me in. Booyah. Hey everybody, thanks for listening Don't be shy, we've got a mailing list Lifestylebusinesspodcast.com Go there, get yourself signed up And we'll keep you up to date on everything